is that the early bird kits were actually assembled at Maple Plains. It's the Givecast! The Star Wars Collector's Archive Podcast. A monthly audio magazine dedicated to vintage Star Wars toys and memorabilia. Hosted by Sky Payne, Fudd, and Steven B. Denley. Market data by Brisbane Brisbane Mike and Fratastic Pete. Tech support by the Lowbar. Let's go, space freaks. It's a factory overstock Kivecast. CJ Fawcett sheds light on a never heard of before theater giveaway from 1978. Michael Valentino tells us all about the vintage Star Wars Johnny Cash mashup video that is tearing up the internet. Sky takes us back to DC to visit the Star Toys Museum and interviews his brother about Luke Jedi. All of this, plus a lot of talk about the good, the bad, and the sexist on Facebook. It's the 77th Vintage Pod. Wampa Wampa. Welcome to Kivecast number 77. It's, it's a different episode. But Steve, it's not Gargan Largan. No, it's a different different thing altogether. It's a totally different thing altogether. So, episode 76, um, I must admit, Steve, I was quite proud of it. I, I thought it was a really good episode. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of fun recording it. <laughs> yeah, but again, our, our, we tend to go a little bit too long. <laughs> and I'm thinking, even though it means a lot more work for me, if we could try to shoot to have shorter episodes, that'd be better. So we were putting together episode 77, and it was going to be the Revenge of the Jedi episode, and it was going to be the Akbar episode, and it was mm-hmm. going to be CJ's story, and it was going to be picking up the last bits of 76, and it was going to be interviewing my brother, and it was going to be this new... So I'm like, you know, let's just split yeah. it up. Let's split it yeah. up. Yeah, I think it was the the right way to go. And and so this is not the Akbar episode. Poor Akbar. <laughs> he was supposed to be in episode seventy six, and now he's going to be lucky to make it to seventy eight. Yeah. <laughs> um, we really are drawing out this Return of the Jedi process. Yes, uh, we are. <laughs> do you know, Steve? I say process now, but I only say it because I hang around with enough Canadians, and I like making fun of <laughs> it's, them. It's become. It's become. That ingrained, huh? It has become that. I mean, I'm sorry, but it's just the way that I oh, talk man. now. Oh, yes. Nothing wrong with that. No. So I've been <laughs> thinking a lot about what to call it. So uh, a couple of years ago, we we recorded an episode, and I called it a microcast. Yeah. And about every five or six months, I'll get an email from somebody saying, I thought that was going to be your podcast about the micro collection. Right, right. So I was like, okay, well, then why don't we call this like – I don't know, a micro episode, no. Or maybe call it like the multi-pack. I'm like, well, wait, then people are going to think it's about multi-packs. <laughs> and then I thought, what about if we called it like Kit Bashed? I'm like, no, that's kind of stupid. So, Steve, this is what I was thinking about calling this episode. Oh, wait, I guess I have to say it. You're supposed to say what? What? <laughs> no, not – actually, that's going to get into my movie thought. Now, say, why don't we call it the Overstock episode? Ooh. Right? Like, like factory hey. overstock. <laughs> I like that. Because what we're going to be doing is we're going to interview CJ, uh, Chris Fawcett, who's going to explain to us about an amazing new find. We're going to learn something new about, about baggies and about early bird sets and theater promotions. Uh, stuff right up your alley, Steve. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk to people who made this amazingly fun video about uh, vintage figures based on a Johnny Cash song. Right. Uh, we're going to go to the last stop on the Kessel Run from Ice last month. So we're going to go to one more collection. Uh, and then we're going to talk to uh, my brother about Luke Jedi because there was just too much Luke Jedi in the last episode. It had to spill over into this one. <laughs> so it's the Factory Overstock episode. How are you doing, Steve? 
I'm doing great. You know how dedicated I am to this this podcast? <laughs> how dedicated? What's happening right now? Oh, are you missing the Red Sox? I'm missing the Red Sox playoff oh, game. Oh man, I am sorry. That that's that's on me. That I should know. But uh, I I also had to start the episode late because I uh it's the Memorial Day weekend or Columbus Day or I don't know what Rosh Hashanah. It's it, <laughs> there's some kind of holiday on Monday that means that my kids don't have school and I do. My lucky kids. And then tomorrow is the most BS holiday in all of existence. It's called Superintendence Day. <laughs> what? Which means I don't know what. The only reason I like it is it makes me think of The Simpsons and Superintendent Chalmers. Ch- Chalmers, yeah. And then Ralph Wiggum calling him Super Nintendo Chalmers. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Super Nintendo Chalmers. That's right. <laughs> so it's only good to me because I think of it as Super Nintendo Day. But See, you're, you're taking the, the positive out of this. <laughs> That's yeah. good. I was going to get back here and record the episode right on time. But they wanted to go see a movie with their friends, so that was cool because because uh, we went to go see um, Middle School, The Worst Years of My Life, huh? Um, which, if you have a middle schooler, is a great movie. Um, don't see it unless you have a middle schooler, but if you have a middle schooler, <laughs> you should go see it. But it was cool because uh, I went with my son and one of his friends, and his friend thinks I'm kind of cool for having a podcast. Um, <laughs> and he always kind of apologizes for not listening, but it's like... Yeah. If if you're like a like an 11 year old kid, you don't you don't need to hear the whole show. But um, it was fun because Steve kind of was bragging. I mean, Steve. Now I call my son Steve. Um, oh no, <laughs> J- Django Django was was bragging about the show, and he was saying how you could like trace our entire lives through listening oh, to the show. Uh, yeah, and and he did like this whole. I wish I could have recorded it because he was like one episode. It's like, hey, I'm starting it out. I'm thinking about moving to Rochester. The next episode's like, hey, I'm in Rochester. The next episode's like, hey, I'm getting a divorce. The next episode's like, hey, I got a girlfriend, but things are okay. Like he did the <laughs> he did the whole thing. Yeah, oh, that's funny. But all of that led to my movie thought, Steve. Okay. Have I had a movie thought in a while? Uh, it might have been a little while. I don't know if you had one last month. I know, I know you had your your poetry, but yes. Yeah. So so this actually goes to uh, this comes from my my son's friend Adam, and he quotes this one line from Darth Vader a lot. Okay. And it's a line from Darth Vader that. I don't think gets enough credit for being one of the worst lines in the original trilogy. <laughs> you want to hear the line, Steve? Yes. What? 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? what? I have to say, I I really am liking this Adam kid because <laughs> yes. to me that's what I've actually I've thought about this before. That's like the Emperor's yeah. It's it's Vader's what? <laughs> It's like like the climactic scene in the whole movie, and here's the great big bad guy being taken out. What? So obviously that's the scene where where Han Solo comes in and knocks out the TIE fighter that knocks into Darth Vader. And this great master of the force, of the living force and the dark side and everything, is so flummoxed by what's going on. He just goes, what? What? (laughs) Just the way he says it is so funny. Oh, so, it really is. Oh, that's awesome. So the whole <laughs> night, like, you know, it's really fun, like, hanging around with just goofy 
you know, middle schoolers because they're just making all these kinds of goofy jokes. And then just yeah, every, yeah. every couple seconds, he'd be like, what? What? <laughs> it's funny. Like, it reminds me, like, when we were younger, my brother and sister and I would always make fun of, I'm thinking it was, it was Biggs that goes, I can't see it. Like, in that, in the, <laughs> in the Death Star battle, we would just play that over and over again. I don't know why we found that so funny, but. Yeah. No, the, the Darth Vader, what? what? That's, uh oh. Yeah. And that kind of goes into one of my controversial theories about Rogue One, Steve. Oh, see, I was actually going to say, have we even mentioned the, this upcoming Star Wars movie on this podcast at all? I don't think we have. I, I don't think so. I don't think we really <laughs> need to. I don't think so either. I mean, it's we funny. might because there'll be there'll be some vintage ramifications, but, sure, but not sure. a lot. Um, but uh, I don't think that James Earl Jones should do Darth Vader's voice anymore. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's, he has the timber. I, I just don't think he has it. It's it all sounds what? what? There is actually a funny thing about the forty eight Bs. Would you like to hear it? Yeah. <laughs> so for those of you who have not been listening to the show, you may or may not know that I collect a very specific card back variation of Star Wars toys called the forty eight B, which is not well appreciated but is really rare. And I've been buying them and buying them and buying them and sending Steve pictures of them. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the calendar is coming out next year, by the yeah. way. <laughs> oh my god, that would be a great calendar, Steve. <laughs> the Kivecast calendar. A whole year of me, of the selfies I took of myself with the 48B sending them to Steve. <laughs> but all this is going to the fact that, you know, I've been dating my girlfriend now for like two and a half years, you know? Yeah. And this is the point where if we didn't have really complicated lives and kids and all that stuff, we'd probably move in together. Um, but you know, we can't move in. It'd be too confusing for my kids and it's a lot of responsibility and all that stuff. But it's also this weird thing where I can't like hang out at her house, you know, like, you, like mm -hmm. imagine if like you just couldn't, like if none of the space was yours and so you can't right. just relax. So we came up with the resolution to, uh, to make her guest room like a place that's basically my room. Ah, and so the first thing I thought of was uh, I got to terraform that puppy, you know, like in War of the Worlds where they're spraying the blood everywhere and that's how the aliens can land. Like I've got to terraform this. I'm like, I know. That's where I'll hang my 48 bees. <laughs> so oh, yeah. every time I go over to my girlfriend's house, I bring over one more 48 B. <laughs> um, she, she calls it the B-52 room. Oh, that is great. <laughs> Which is great because we share a love of the song Rock Lobster uh, together. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's the B-52 room, which is uh, uh, which is my guest room. But it's awesome. really fun because I now get to see them on the wall because I, I don't display them anywhere else. Ah, that's great. Yeah, so th so that's a way that uh, that collecting can can follow along with my life. I was wondering too, Steve. I don't I don't know. I I think I'm too into Facebook, Steve. <laughs> You're definitely on a on a kick right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually like turning into like a 14 year old girl. Uh, <laughs> Don't go too far now. <laughs> I've like started to get into like wars and stuff. Have, have you been yeah, following this, yeah. Steve? I, 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 there was one recent uh, controversy or controversy that uh, I, I witnessed you taking part in. Which, yeah, I mean. I can't say I uh, uh, disagreed with you, but uh, I don't think <laughs> so, it was just funny to see like you were one of the only people that I knew that were 
like engaged right. in the so, conversation. So I, so I actually, Steve, what if we talked about it? I, sure. Sure. Can we talk about Facebook scandals on our podcast? Is that too ephemeral? <laughs> Does that fit in our factory overstock podcast? Well, I'm going to could. anyway because I'm 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 just I just find this interesting. Okay, so so this is the story. So first of all, you know the the twelve back group on Facebook, right? Which is mm-hmm. the de facto center of the hobby right now. Yeah, I, I would say that's where like the majority of action appears to be happening. Mm-hmm. They just got Matthias and Chris Jobulius to be moderators there to give it a little bit more weight, so that it's not just people who started collecting in the last five years or whatever as moderators. And it's it's at least as far as I can tell the the center of of where the Facebook conversations are happening, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean that and the Imperial Commissary, but I don't even understand what the hell those guys are doing. Um, <laughs> uh, whatever they're doing, they're doing it well because they have a lot of yes. following. But, you know, so we had this whole weird thing, right, where new collectors come into the hobby and they don't know where to go. And so they just go there and then that becomes sort of their landscape. That's that's mm-hmm. what vintage collecting is. So it's filled with people who I've never met before. Yeah, same, and, same here. And I've just realized that I just have to be open and be like, well, I'm sure a lot of these guys are great, you know, and a lot of yeah. these guys are maybe listening to the show. Now, notice the, the pronoun that I used, Steve. <laughs> I said a lot of these guys, okay? Yeah. So this is where this whole story is going. Um, I think it was Matthias had the idea to, to do a thing of these collectibles of the week, and it was take a selfie of yourself with your favorite uh, early Star Wars item. Um, so I was a complete pain in the ass, which is, is my my forte on, on the <laughs> Facebook forums. And I took a picture of my uh, blank-backed, one-sided, 12 tw- uh, back Chewbacca proof. But I took a picture of the blank back side. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then when people asked me to turn it around, I turned it around. But then I, I focused only on the phone. So it's like you can hardly see it at all because it's totally blurry. So anyways, I, w- I was just being the little goblin that I am. Yeah, yeah. And uh and then someone posted this other one and it was a picture of their wife dressed up like, you know, the Princess Leia hair and her right. shirt off with a couple of land speeders in front of her chest so it wasn't mm-hmm. nudity. Right. And like it just started this whole thread of people saying the grossest stuff. Yeah. Just like I mean, it like started off with like, oh, I like your do-backs, which is like, uh, and then it devolved to like, I want to see your Sarlacc pit. It's just like, this is some guy's Uh, wife. But then the guy was like posting along with it, like doing like LOLs with it. And it's just like, it made me kind of ill. Yeah. But I was stuck in this position where there was like 50 people had posted. And they were all totally in favor of it. And nobody right. said anything wrong with it. And yeah. I don't like fake outrage more than anybody else. But the problem with hating fake outrage is sometimes you actually get outraged. And so yeah. what are you supposed to do? So I was actually outraged. Like I was actually annoyed. Mm-hmm. And so I just posted saying, hey, you know, I, I know that everybody – I know everyone's having a fun time here. But my argument is – and I'll just say kind of succinctly here – is that our hobby is way dominated by men. 
right? In yeah, particular, it's... it's dominated by white, straight men, right? That's yeah, just happens to be, you know. Obviously, there are not straight collectors. Obviously, there are women collectors, and obviously, there are non-white collectors. But the vast majority of of collectors are in that demographic. Yeah, and for so like this post and the reaction to it made me feel like, well, this is really exclusive because women aren't going to feel comfortable in a place where women are being objectified. And I'm, I use the word demeaned, but demeaning is maybe not right. I mean, I'm not, that's a, maybe strong. The easiest way to say it is objectified. Like her beauty, yeah. her beauty was a source of objectification, right? Like right. there was yeah. the toys and there was her. And I just, I just yeah. don't like it. You know, I don't want to, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a fan either. <laughs> I don't want to get a boner while I look at star Wars toys, right? Like I don't, that's not my goal. And I find it distasteful to try to do that. And I wasn't even saying take it down. And I wasn't saying like these people are bad. I thought it's cool that they were sharing something together. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, that's fine. But just as a community, it felt to me like not cool because it, yeah. it really felt alienating. So I said something and then it just devolved. And man, people were going after me. They called me a neckbeard feminist. Um, Whoa! I see. <laughs> I didn't. I, I didn't go too far with it. I, I saw it kind of take off, but I lost track. <laughs> it's like whole thing of like, I mean, uh, oh, I was thinking about what, what's it like. It's like, um, it's like people of privilege who just get really upset whenever anyone questions that they have privilege. That's really what mm -hmm. it is. You know, just yeah. like, how dare you spit on our fun and the PC police and all these things. And it's just, my whole point was, this is not nice for women in the hobby. Yeah. And, you know, I got a lot of messages of people saying thank you. You know, women and men saying thank you for speaking up. And, and my Good. post on that on that thread got, I don't know, 30 likes or something and every and you know nothing even came close to that so i know people agreed with me but people didn't want to say anything because yeah. they got beat down yeah that's kind of what i suspected um based on the based on what i saw what was going on with you i'm like oh there's probably a reason that no one else has said anything which is not right it's not right, right. and i mean they would just get i mean seriously like ridiculed and and they would be uh, uh attacked and you know, frankly, Steve, no one attacked me because, you know, I'm I'm a known quantity. I have some whatever cachet or reputation in this hobby. So people couldn't really go after me. But some of the newer collectors were saying they weren't cool with it and they were like chased off the boards. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know, like say what you owe about Rebel Scum, but I really liked Rebel Scum because <laughs> Because Philip Wise is so unbelievably uptight, because he runs <laughs> such a tight ship, and you could make coal out of you can make a diamond out of the coal in his butt, that actually made it more inclusive. <laughs> because you knew where you stood. It wasn't any yeah. kind of wild west of like, oh, how's it going to be? And right. even though I bristled at that, it was actually preferable, I think, uh, than this kind of this kind of wild west thing. But anyway, yeah. it's it's just I just sort of want to talk about it because. Um, it wasn't fake outrage, and I I don't know Steve how we can help there to have more female collectors feel more welcomed. I mean, I think it's just 
sort of a demographics thing. It's like Star Wars was marketed I to mean, boys, and most yeah. people collect collect because it connects to their childhood. So it just makes. Well, that's sense. the thing. It's 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 like you know the demographic thing is a challenge, but then to to make it tougher with with things like this, it just I mean it, it's it just makes it really difficult for for people to feel comfortable. So I, anything that I don't know exactly what we can do, but it's something that you're already kind of fighting an, an uphill battle just based on the sheer numbers alone right because um, everyone and then the funny thing is they would jump on me and say how you know why is he being so intolerant it's like you know it it wasn't actually intolerant see it, what i mean see i'm becoming like a 14 yeah. year old girl oh my god <laughs> look at me and now i'm being sexist and gender jesus steve i am not a good neckbeard feminist i'm really not i shouldn't assume that 14 year old girls are vapid they have a lot of things to say steve <laughs> And I just said vapid instead of vapid, Steve. <laughs> oh, I gotta stay away from the internet. Yeah, it's I, good too, to have a break every now and then. I'm, I'm too deep in it. I, I will say that my favorite part about the whole thing is, you know, um, part of what I love about Star Wars collecting is that a lot of my friends are on the opposite side of me politically. Right. And I find it fascinating. Uh, sometimes I find it gross, but in general, you know, I, I, I basically believe that all good people want the same thing. They just have different ways to get there. So right. if I have a friend who seriously thinks that Donald Trump is the greatest thing for our country, I don't come at them like an idiot or like somebody who's like evil. It's just like, I don't agree with that perspective. Right. Yeah. Um, but John Paul Ragusa guy who runs the Imperial gunnery. Right. Yeah. He and I just we've we've locked heads before about, oh, yeah. about political that's, that's right. stuff a lot, and like yeah. he is super duper duper far right, and I don't think I'm super duper duper far left, but I probably am. Um, and then I saw that he responded to my comment, and I was just like, "Oh Christ, I <laughs> I can't get into it again with John Paul. I mean, everybody else, but man, he's so tenacious." And and then I open it up, and he's like, "I totally agree with Sky." This is not right. I mean, I have a 14-year-old uh, yeah. daughter. I don't want her reading these things. And so, like, he and I are, like, leading this crazy bipartisan, like, voice right. of reason. Like, uh, I, how about we be good to women instead of, like, objectifying them and making them feel bad? And yeah. so that was my – that was the, the total cherry. That, that made this whole thing great because well, – Yeah, I think you, had, you said something to the effect of the fact that the two of us are agreeing must mean that we're right. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. no, it's totally true. So anyway, I don't really know what to do about that other than just say I talked about it. And you know what? I'll, I'll post that on Facebook, and and people can come and 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 yell at us for being neckbeard feminists, <laughs> which I think I have to actually own. That's that's really funny. Hey, that, that, that expresses a lot of contempt uh, in a really <laughs> silly way. Um, <laughs> that's the, true. It is a silly way. The one comment. That I really wanted to respond to. See, the problem is, Steve, is that because I'm an academic, it's like I can't say anything because it's just the stereotype of an academic, right? Um, <laughs> but somebody said, you know, she wanted to be in the pictures. So if the subject is okay with it, there's nothing wrong. Case closed. And I had to stop myself. But I'm like, you see, that's the problem. She's not the subject, she's the object. That's the whole point of the whole thing. The yeah. photographer is the subject taking the picture. It's, I teach direct objects every day in my classrooms. Like that's the whole point. 
She's not the subject. She's the object. But I didn't say it, and I said it now because I have a podcast, and whoever said that doesn't. <laughs> so let's get on with the show, Steve. <laughs> Sounds good, man. <laughs> so let's see here. Going down the show notes. Oh, I'm super excited, Steve. I got something awesome. In the mail? Yes. Well, I've been getting a lot of things in the mail because I've been getting a lot of 48 Bs. <laughs> I, I, that I know. <laughs> you know what's funny? My son said to me the other day, Poppy, you're getting a, a, a lot of 48 Bs in the mail. You know, you're buying them really quickly. You told me that the most important thing about building a big collection is being patient. That's more important than money. But it seems like you're one of these kind of new collectors who's just who's just buying stuff as quickly as possible. And I looked at him and I was like, um, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> like I didn't really have an answer. I, I, I think he was really right. And you know, Steve, <clears throat> I've actually never purchased anything, any Star Wars toy from an auction. Right. And sometimes things come up and I get really excited about them and I just don't buy them because I don't feel like dealing with like an actual auction house. Obviously. Oh, the whole process. Right. I, yeah. I like eBay. So this really great thing happened thanks to a, a very loyal space freak. So, you know, Vectus out in England, uh, sponsor of the Vintage Rebellion and everything is an auction house and they have all this great stuff. And I've only ever seen one thing that I thought, you know what? that's something I should sign up. I should be in their stupid mailing group and pay whatever it costs to get this thing. Cause this is just yeah. the most beautiful thing. And let me, let me describe what it is. So it's a, it's a bootleg sparking machine gun, <laughs> um, which is like a great exclamation. <laughs> ah, you sparking machine gun. It's like a Scottish insult. Ah, you sparking machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I don't know what that was almost. That was more emperor before he went Scottish. Machine <laughs> gun. What? Um, what? <laughs> so it says Space Wars, and actually very similar to the Toy Galaxy font, uh, yellow font. That's what I was just thinking. The red shadow. Yeah, yeah. And you have to imagine right. it's like a, a plastic, a blue plastic gun. You know, about the size mm -hmm. of. You know, it takes two hands to hold it. It's a pretty big gun. It's about yeah. maybe 20 inches long. Um, it looks kind of cheap, and it's like a spark gun. So, you know, you would you'd pull the trigger and make sparks at the end. But on the back is a cardboard backer, and it has the Space Wars, and it says Sparky Machine Gun. It has this really funky – looks like a baby between a Cylon and a Stormtrooper who's shooting yeah. it. And then also there's this really wicked picture of a naked Chewbacca uh, yeah, from chest up. Don't worry. I'm, the neckbeard feminist isn't going to yeah. go after this one. Um, and he's holding on to the gun too. <laughs> and I don't know what it is. I've never seen one of these before. Yeah. I don't know anyone else has ever is... seen these before. I've never heard anything about them. I don't know. Duncan or, or Steve or Ron or anybody. Have you ever seen these crazy things? That is pretty bizarre. I mean, and so it it came up for auction, and I I didn't, you know, I just I didn't feel like dealing with it. And then Jamie Brown, loyal space freak, just posted it for sale on the on the uh, Facebook forum for England. Awesome! And it was just really cool. It was just he 
basically sold it at cost, and so I didn't have to pay for those fees, which means I, I guess I owe him a, a pint or something. Um, I think now that the now that the the pound is really low in England, um, I believe they just changed to only pint currency. Um, and that's how, how they pay for everything. So yeah, I, I just got it, and I, I just thought it was it's pretty rare that I get a Chewbacca thing I've never even heard of before. So I, I thought I'd share. That. Yeah, this thing is this thing is beautiful. Yeah, it, it really is, and I'm. It's almost like. So Chewbacca has a gun too, right? Yes. He's like got one on his shoulder. Yeah, they kinda. both have the gun that you're, is being yeah. sold. And right. I can tell you, look out for the next. Uh, you know, we're going to continue doing these uh, super exclusive bottle cap openers, and uh, I think that might be a bottle cap. Uh, might be a bottle opener, uh, a cast bottle opener someday. That's that's definitely definitely a good candidate. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and um, actually. Because I've complained about Facebook, uh, I now, will now say something interesting about. Did I talk about getting scammed last month, Steve? No, I don't think so. I did. Really? Yeah, yeah I got scammed. All's well that ends well, so don't don't worry too much there. Um, okay. But uh, it was on the Yavin Four, which is like the British collectibles area. Man, I don't even I don't even know that. Steve, you're well you're well into it. I'm now. more than a millennial. I'm like a centennial. Um <laughs> meaning I'm like born in two thousand one hundred. Um uh, so right. <laughs> so uh it's it's basically like a, a marketplace for British collectors, but anyone can join. Okay. Alright. And so someone was up there and they were selling some forty eight Bs. Uh-oh. And I was tagged by a by a loyal space freak, you know. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to say their name because this didn't end up well, but I do appreciate it. Keep tagging me every time you see a 48B. <laughs> and I was driving on my way to get sushi. And I was like, you know, when you like really want to buy something and it, it was an IG-88 and I got really excited. Uh... And I was like, and I remember that one had come up for sale a couple weeks, like a week earlier, and I and I didn't, I didn't yeah. win it. So I'm like, all right, forget it. I'm just, yeah, I'm gonna do it. And I actually sent it while in the parking lot, going to go have sushi with my girlfriend and her son. <laughs> you are, you are a modern collector. I am a modern man. collector. That is, wow, not not wow. And, <laughs> and I didn't know the guy, but I thought, well, if I was tagged by this guy who who knew to tag me, this must be on the up and up. So I'll just send it as a gift. But then I was like, well, no, no, I better not. I'll, I'll, I'll I sent a little extra and and paid re, you know regular PayPal and I paid the fees. Yeah. And then I started to bug me. I was like, are there really two forty eight B IG eighty eights for sale in the span of two weeks? And I'm sitting there eating dinner and I'm just like getting a little bit more and more uncomfortable and I'm not paying attention to my girlfriend. Oh, no. And I'm thinking more oh, and more no. about it. And then I'm sort of like, you know, I gotta walk the dog. And so I went back and and took out Bo and then quickly went in and I, I looked at the auction. I saved a picture from the auction and I'm like, yeah. Oh my sparking machine gun! This is the same carded figure same same figure and so and then I thought well actually even before that I did the math and realized that I was paying less than what the auction went for so Hmm. I once I realized that it was the same figure I realized that if this person were selling the same figure he was losing about $20 on the whole deal which doesn't make sense 
Right. But I didn't want to accuse him right away in case I had to build some kind of case. So I just sent him a, a, a ta- you know, a, a Facebook message saying, "Hey, would you mind, you know, sending me another picture?" Just because he'd actually taken down the picture from Facebook, mm-hmm. which you're not supposed to do in the sales post. Right. I was like, "Oh, I don't right. have it. I just want to know what I'm looking for." He's like, "Yeah, sure, no problem. I've been I've been deluged with with offers." And mm. then I realized it was a scam, and I contacted mm. Grant, and I contact who's uh, who's one of the the people at Yavin Four. And then the next day, the refund was in my PayPal, huh. and uh, he never showed up again. And he was just a complete wow. scammer. And and I think two other people paid, um, paid and paid by gift, and they just lost their money. So the lesson is: do uh, not pay by sucks. gift unless you know the person. Uh, that's yeah. That's a good. That's a good. That's the moral of the story. So you yeah. know. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you didn't get too burned. Then that that's 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 scary though. Yeah, and and the the main reason I was bombed was that I I lost. I didn't get the 48B IGA. Yeah. And the thing I was curious about was that IG88 was actually back on eBay. So I contacted the seller being like, did you know that someone is selling this exact figure? And also, didn't you already sell this? And it turns out that whoever won that auction didn't pay. So my Uh, theory is this person won the auction, didn't pay, took the pictures, figured out what they were worth, went on Facebook, and then sold them. Yeah, okay. That that, that makes sense. And the real moral of the story is, Steve... Guess who was the high bidder? Oh, when he relisted the IG88, <laughs> I was the high bidder. Got it for seventy bucks less than it sold the first time, and it is now sitting on my girlfriend's wall. It all ties together, Steve. See, that's the thing. In the B52 room, the that B52 is. Room. Uh... It's it, this is the Proustian journey that, that that we're taking you on on the Kivecast. It seems as though we're not going anywhere, but you turn around <laughs> and we're right back home, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that figure is mine. I went through all of that. And, and, wow. and, that, is, that is some good. That's some good theater. That's good. And, and through those <laughs> stories, Steve, we were able to get the good side and the bad side of Facebook. We were yeah. able to get to the good, yeah. the good sellers from England and the bad sellers from England. We're able to get all the way back and the, and the 48 Bs and this ridiculous thing of calling myself the 48 Bs totally pays off. <laughs> People call me it all the time now on Facebook, which is funny. <laughs> it's my biggest success since Troopies. Yeah. Oh God. Oh. <laughs> Isn't it funny, Steve, that I'm continuing this episode on and on, even though the Red Sox are playing? That's I, I'm I'm just completely in shock. Yeah. Well, let's start introducing our segments then, Steve. All right. Um, unless you have, you know, you can talk too, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a much less busy time for me in terms of collecting. That ain't much for me to say, but. <laughs> I enjoy uh, I enjoy hearing your trials and tribulations as a modern collector. I mean, that's you're in uh, now. If like I have questions, I feel like I can come to you and say, "Hey." <laughs> yes, I'm. I I am pretty much. You're the new <laughs> the Facebook collector guru. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, it's what I've been trying to say is, if you're not collecting on Facebook. You're just not a part of the conversation. And that's okay. There's a lot of people who didn't make it over to Rebel Scum. There's a lot of people who didn't even make it onto the, the Usenet groups. Um, 
but yeah. it's a lot more fun if you do it. You just have to get over the fact that you aren't going to know most of the people, that apparently most of them are unwittingly misogynist. Um, wait, that makes it sound really bad. But you're going to meet good people and it's going to be good. So anyway, long live Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, so should we introduce the first segment, Steve? Yeah, who's up? Who's up oh, first? We got to start with CJ. Okay. Yes. So we're going to talk to CJ about uh, an amazing find. Of all that I know is there is a baggie and a box involved. He emailed us and said, "I want to tell the story on the Kivecast." So let's get to story time with CJ. Sounds good. Here's an oldie but goodie. Once upon a time, long ago, Tikalo Carbon. <laughs> Tikalo Carbon Story Time. Hit it, hit it. I think we're ready, right? Yeah, we're ready. Wampa Wampa, CJ, how's it going? Wampa Wampa, how's it going, guys? <laughs> now, I can't tell. Do you prefer CJ or Chris? I, I, you know, it doesn't matter. Either way, I've got so used to, to both names. And um, do you actually know why I use CJ? It actually has to do with a Star Wars hobby, believe it or not. And that's, no. See, I didn't know. Why does C.J. Yeah, Fawcett call himself C.J. Fawcett? Because, you know, in, in the rest of my life, my family and my work, everybody calls me Chris. That's just kind of my name. But So what it was, you've heard of the Chris Army, right? Have you heard that phrase? You know, we've heard it, but we've never explained it on the show. So why don't you explain it on the show? Okay. So the Chris Army, I think it was started by Chris Reif, I believe. I'm not 100% sure. So I apologize to the real Chris who started it if I got that wrong. But... <clears throat> One of the Chris's, I think Rife, noticed that there were a, just a ton of Chris's in the Star Wars hobby, and I think it was just a really popular name around the 1970s right. to name boys Chris. So there are so many Chris's, so he came up with this kind of this little joke that there's a Chris Army, and he made patches one year, and there's a <laughs> Facebook page for the Chris Army. So if your name is Chris, <laughs> and you're in the hobby, <laughs> yes, go go to Facebook and find the Chris Army uh, Facebook page and join up there and try to find uh, Chris Rife and get your patch. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there. Chris, I don't know how you pronounce his last name, Ryle or Real is an Empire State guy up here, and I hope he's a member. He's the only Chris I can think of that's not in the Chris Army. <laughs> so anyway, that kind of explains it. Back in the, in the mid-90s, you know, when I was getting into the hobby and started getting online, there were so many Chris's. And just to kind of distinguish myself online when people would say your name, I was like, let me just go by my first two initials, CJ. Because, you know, it's a kind of a typical nickname kind of thing. You have, you know, Barry Jr. and they call him BJ. And you have Dennis Jr. and they call him DJ, etc. So I figured my new name's John. So I just go by CJ. And that way I could kind of distinguish my name from the plethora of Chris's out there in the hobby. <laughs> so that people, when they said CJ, they knew who they were talking about me and not Chris Jargulius or Chris Nichols or any of the other various Chris's. Well, th well, that's why I initially called him SB because um, I didn't want to confuse Steve with Steve Sansweet, but uh, <laughs> it eventually went away. Well, Steve, is that why you prefer to go by Stefan? Like, if you don't know, Steve, I th he really likes to be called Steven. He does not like to be called Steve, right? That's not true. That's, it's the same. I think it's the same kind of thing with, with uh, Chris slash CJ. I don't, I don't mind either one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so we're, we're excited to have you on, CJ, Chris, um, or as is said in Sopranos, Christopher. Um, <laughs> and th let me tell you why. This is what happened. About a, three weeks ago, you texted a bunch of pictures of things that looked interesting, even things that had Chewbacca's in them. 
But you said that oh, yes. you said this. I'm saving this story for the podcast. So well, yeah. So what I did was, was I instantly, like, I didn't unfollow you, but anything that you wrote, I didn't pay attention to. I didn't know. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't read anything that you wrote because I want to come to this as ignorant as possible. And the true meaning of ignorance as in not knowing. So your trademark, right? Yes. Well, no, my trademark is stupidity. <laughs> stupidity is different than ignorance. Oh, stupidity. Yeah. Okay. That's true. Sorry. There is there is a difference. Because being ignorant, <laughs> being ignorant isn't really a crime, you know. But being stupid is really bad, you know. That. <laughs> so so what is it? All that I know is that there's cardboard boxes involved. What did you find, and how did you find it? So, I wanted to come on and tell the story because it's not only interesting just for the sake of of the find, but it really adds some new history to the hobby, which is kind of rare these days to come up with some completely new information uh, about this hobby. Because, you know, we've plumbed the depths of the Kenner people and retailers and our, you know, our pictures from our youth and newspapers and catalog. Like, there's so much information out there that it's rare that something completely new comes up. So that's the one reason I thought this was kind of cool. That's awesome. But what had happened was um, I had a I had a lead of a guy out in Portland, Oregon, where Steve got married. I understand is that correct? That, yeah, that is just, correct. Just across the river, I was yeah. I was just yeah. there, CJ. I could have picked them up for you. <laughs> yeah, you could have just drove over there and got them. Uh, but I got a lead there of a guy who used to be a manager at a theater out in Portland, and the story's a little weird, and there's a, a little bit of speculation here because his memory is not quite you know it's what 30 years ago now or 40 years ago almost um and, and so and th- you know, and 30 years cj in portland it's kind of like the way that uh the this the dune sea aged obi-wan <laughs> 30 years in portland is like 50 years anywhere else that, you gotta that is, uh, drink a lot a of true, kombucha true. and smoke a lot of pot and just really you know it's am i wrong steve <laughs> No, no, that's that's pretty accurate. I, I don't know what I'd look like after 40 years in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so his story is so, not great. He he. Uh, so he was a manager of this of, of a movie theater there, and his story when he initially told it to me was that he started there in sometime in the late summer, early fall of '77, and I'm pretty sure that portion of the story is correct because he had a very vivid memory of the release of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which was in November of 77. So I don't think he's getting the year wrong. But what he claims is that shortly after he started, he was in his office, and somewhere in the office or a closet, he found a cardboard box filled with Star Wars figures in baggies. And he had asked somebody who had worked there that had been there longer than he had, uh, what are these? Why are they here? What are they for? And the person told them, oh, that was a giveaway that we did at the theater for people coming in to watch Star Wars. The kids would get action figures. Wow. And this was – so in theory, this would have been in – Yeah. Uh, in theory, that would have been late summer 77. Okay. So Now, I'm I'm not sure that part of his memory is really right, and he even right. kind of admitted lady, later – when I, more I talked to him about this, that you know maybe maybe the promotion did happen when he was there and he had just forgotten about it, but he thought he was pretty sure that the promotion had happened before he started, which would have put it in you know 
June, July, August, okay, seventy-seven. So he just goes now, into this then, closet and finds baggies. And it, did he tell you what kind of figures were in there, or what did he say? Yeah, I, I got I got pictures of them at first, and so it is um, basically the four early bird kit figures. And the baggies he had were the baggies that regularly come in the early bird kits. Now mm-hmm. you know there's several. I think there's several variations of baggies for each of the figures that you could possibly find in the early bird kit. But these were for uh, you know Luke, um, Leia, Chewie, and R2, respectively, the bags that they were in would have been ones that could have been found in the early bird kits. So the indication is is that these were probably early bird baggy figures that got to the theater and were used as giveaways. Now, the first thing I questioned him on was, well, could the could the owner of this theater chain just sort of have done this on his own, called up Kenner, called up Fox, and said, hey, I want to do a promotion. The guy really doubted that was the case. Um, could be, I guess. But the other interesting thing is uh, the box he has is actually a baggy shipper carton for Luke Skywalker. Hmm. Now, the really interesting thing about that is the only baggy shipper cartons that have ever been found have all been Jedi or beyond. Maybe, I don't know if any power of the force have been found. Okay, but, okay so let's, let's slow that down then. So when you say a baggy shipping carton, so yeah. that means a carton that contained only baggies of a figure. And those Correct. those definitely existed, you know, in Return of the Jedi, where you have the the straight packs of certain figures and right. And for some of the mail away offers, um, right, you know those those cartons. What I assume would be happening was those cartons would have come over here from China, and probably and they would have been shipped here. Now it's it's pretty well known uh, amongst people who've dug into Kenner and that kind of stuff that the main place that did all the shipping promotions for Kenner was in Maple Plains. Right. Maple Plains, um, Minnesota. Yes. Maple Plains, Minnesota. So this box actually has Maple Plains on it. So this hmm. box was shipped out of Maple Plains to Portland, Oregon. So what it kind of indicates to me is that the early bird figures were coming into Maple Plains in this is a box that says 200 of Luke Skywalker. So there were single pack boxes of 200 of the same figure. Yeah, it's just awesome. Those it, were, it's an old beat up box that says 200 each. It has the Kenner logo and then Luke Skywalker, but like the Luke Skywalker is all like covered over. It's awesome. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool for a box. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I mean, you look at it and you go, how exciting could it be? It's a cardboard box, but <laughs> well, it's a historically the fact important that, box. Yeah, it is I mean, historically it, it important. The, it's got the theater's address and all that on there. Um, it does. It's, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, I haven't looked at this, Steve. I'm I'm a, I'm a babe in the woods. I'm totally ignorant. <laughs> so it came from Maple Plain, and that's marked on the shipping carton. And then the actual yes. address of yeah. the theater is also there. The wet the Westgate uh, Westgate Three Theater in Portland. Wow. Mm-hmm. So Crazy. the interesting thing is, this is clearly an early bird kit. Luke Skywalker shipping box, which is, right. you know, you, at first you go, oh, it's an old beat up box. But when you think about that, like, man, that's like the earliest figure carton that Kenner would have shipped for anything is that box. So kind of pretty cool. It also indicates to me, though, that what might have been happening is that the figures would have coming into Maple Plains. And what I now suspect fairly strongly is that the earlier bird kits were actually assembled at Maple Plains. 
So possibly they had a small assembly line there where they were pulling the figures out of the boxes, putting them into the trays in the little box and shipping them rather than them coming like that from the Orient. So right. that's kind of an interesting – it makes sense that that would be the case because this box exists. Otherwise, you think we'd see maybe a box of early bird kit, shipping a shipping box with early bird kits on it, right. not just right. Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah, well, so – that, so so that yeah, that's yeah. the that's the major discovery, and then and then so this is how did the theater is it so is this the only theater that did this in the entire country or well it sounded like he, the story he told me was that in Portland at the time the theaters there were all owned by two brothers and they were bitter bitter rivals <laughs> and one of the brothers uh, managed to work the deal to get Star Wars in his theaters. And had some kind of exclusivity agreement that as long as he kept showing it and didn't stop running it, nobody else in town could get it. So this really ticked off his his other brother, right? <laughs> so so what they did, and this gets back into my speculation of what really happened, because I really don't think these things were shipped to Portland in June of 77. Yeah, I mean, that, that wouldn't really work with the timeline, right, in terms of when the figures are being distributed? Right, so... This gets back to a trivia question for Sky. Okay, this is going to end poorly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has to do kind of sort of with France and how France ties into the first Star Wars figures. Okay. So do you know, Sky, who the Princess of Monaco was in 1977? Uh, was it Grace Kelly? It was Grace Kelly. Okay. Hey, I passed. <laughs> Did you? Hey. <laughs> you got it. Did you also know that Grace Kelly was on the board of Fox of uh, 20th Century Fox. Yes, I do remember that. And what had happened is apparently Bernie Loomis was over in Monaco. This was in November of 77. And had there was some of the board members were there. They had a small board meeting and he actually had the very what he claims or the story goes is that he had the very first prototypes or the very first production figures off the line. Mm-hmm. So not prototypes but production figures. Most likely first shots or something i would think probably not full production but off the orient tools so and the story was that he was going to pick a name out and give it to somebody and that uh, you know it was the the drawing was actually rigged and it was always going to go to grace kelly right so she got she got the very first star wars figures really ever made that got that were given to anyone outside of kenner you know that weren't prototypes or something hey, and that was in november of 77 well hey steve we should interview her <laughs> Where are those? Um, <laughs> she probably has early bird first shots, or her, you know, wait, somebody so she in her family. Got Star Wars toys in November of '77. That smells stinko with. Yeah, so I guess that makes sense. But, I guess that, is that possible? Yeah, I think it is because if the early bird kits started shipping in January, February time, frame, right, right, you know, they would have had, they would have been doing first shots off those tools in November easily. So they probably would have had. Like a couple, maybe a month or two of getting the tools running right, making sure and doing tweaks. And remember, these were the first four, so they were the the you know their first try at figures. They didn't know exactly how to do it yet. I'm sure later in the line they got better and better, and they they tuned the things in so they probably the um, you know running testing the molds got faster and faster because they had it dialed in a little closer. But these are the first ones, so wait, wait, now, it could very now, now easily have so been. Here's my stupidity: mm-hmm. the early bird figures were sent that early in '78. I thought it was like in the middle of '78. 
I think they started shipping in February, oh. if I recall. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I learned something new yeah. every second. Oh. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, Steve. Do you know? I, that... I think that I think it's February sounds right, just based yeah. on what I remember. But yeah. Uh, so November kind of fits that timeline with maybe having first shot figures in Monaco for Grace Kelly in November. <laughs> This is a crazy story, right? Yeah. And then moving forward to February, early bird kits really start shipping. So what I'm – and then you tie this whole story in Portland back to the idea that this theater was – had the movie for sure through year one because the owner wanted to basically keep his brother from getting the film. So he kept running it. So what I surmise and the the lead I talked to thinks, yeah, that might have happened, is that – Maybe this was done for the one-year anniversary, right? That to get people back into the theater again for the one-year anniversary, they did a promotion, possibly, right? So that would have been in May, which really makes sense. So what I suspect is happening has ha- happened here was that, you know, they were shipping early bird figures, and these were either some leftovers or maybe they were just at the tail end of shipping them out by May. I'm not sure when those started, you know, when the bulk of them were were shipped and it started to just be a trickle rather than the bulk shipping of them out of Maple Plains. But this was a box that was in Maple Plains that was intended to be used for the early bird kits. When the one-year anniversary came around, I'm guessing probably Fox, not Kenner, wanted to do a promotion. And But just in this you know, one theater? Like, why has this never been heard of before in any other theater? Well, there are, there are other stories, right? So I'm guessing at least in Portland it was this whole chain Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the other story that we know about already of the vinyl Cape Jawas on card being given out in theaters. Oh, that's I think right. you guys had you guys had Chris Nichols on a, a while back, right? Yeah, I think yeah. you talked about that. Yes, part of the uh, part of the Chris Army. Um, yeah, I think that was yes. episode was it 54. Steve, is that right? It was, it was 54. Yeah. yeah, I'm just kidding. Steve did the research this afternoon yeah. and told me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was because I'd, I'd already forgotten that we had done it. Yeah. Like, Wait a minute, I think we did that. Yeah, like, oh, I, I yes, remembered something. So that was pretty exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we we know that those were given out at some theaters, and I don't recall. Do you do you remember Steve um, where that find of the vinyl Cape Jawas was from? Like what state or what city? California. Well, I think I think it was California, right? But the the thing was that I think Chris Jorgulius had surmised from from another source that they they weren't actually given away, but they were probably offered for sale. At least at least the Jawas. Okay. So that might be a little bit different than these, but it was something where. Yeah, a full case of a particular figure. In this case, in that case, it was a vinyl cape Jawa was sent to uh, a theater, and basically the guy kept them, you know, for years later and had them in his attic. And he basically became a steady source of carded vinyl cape Jawas for a while. Um, but right. that, that was the story: was that it was something that came from a movie theater. Um, so the idea would be that he gave them. Uh, that he was supposed to give them away, and he didn't. And then you ended up with with what? What did you actually end up with when you talked to this guy and managed to to get all these things from him? So I don't think it was that he he like kept them and didn't give them away. I think they were just leftovers. Okay. So what I'm guessing is they ran this thing. Um, he probably had way more than what he had left, and they ran this thing over a weekend or two weeks or whatever it was. And then the promotion ended, and there was a few leftovers. And they went into the they took one of the shipping boxes, fortunately, because they could have just thrown them in a plastic bag or something, right? But no, they threw, they consolidated them all into one of the shipping boxes, and they got stuck in a closet somewhere. And then 
sometime later that year or something, he found them. So what was what was left? There were, um, you know, the R two three three uh, not three PO R two Chewbacca Luke and Leia. There were only two Leias, which is kind of weird because I was thinking that does that kind of huh. indicate that they gave out more Leias and like that you know for the seventy seven and it was more of a boys kind of toy and more kind of a boys kind of movie, especially back in that era. Um, kind of surprising. There's only two Leias left. Uh, there were five Chewbaccas. Um, these are all in baggies and sealed. Um, there were 14 or 15 Lukes. None of them. Oh, and here's the other part of the story that makes me believe it wasn't mid 77 is none of the Lukes are telescoping. And you would ah. think if you got figures, if you got figures in June or July or August of 77, those would have probably been telescoping figures, not non telescoping. So that also pushes the date back in my mind into 78. Right. Uh, so there are about 14 or 15 of those in the baggie. And, um, 19 of the most beautiful R2-D2s I've ever seen in my life. These are just, they're so bright, bright white. Like, you you just don't realize how vividly bright and blue, the colors of blue were on that thing when they were practically untouched. It was, they were just really nice R2-D2s. Wow. So, those, that set of figures, it's about, what is it, 40, 45 figures or something like that, and then um, the shipping box and the great yeah. story, which is my favorite part of the whole thing, just to, to have a story that's kind of new to the community and to realize something like this was happening. And it's just kind of interesting to when, when new information turns up, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. I'm actually a little bit distracted because I am emailing a writer from the Oregonian who wrote an article <laughs> about this movie theater. And I've been, I've been kind of oh, really? kind of looking at it. It's closed down. It's in um, uh, Beaver town. Um, which is a part of uh, Oregon, and it's that was that was too produced. Guys. It's it's actually right across the street from Kamas, which is the town like where Steve got married. So it's it's really close, and uh, and it turns out the theater opened in 1967, and it's at least as of 2012, it was a wasteland. Like they tore it down because they built a, a mega a mega theater right next to it. And they're talking uh, about high rises and retail, and so I, I'm going to try to get. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm just sending an email to the writer of this article to see, hey, does is there something there now? And maybe she could help me look up in the archives of the Oregonian to find an ad. To, to find an ad, yeah. I mean, who knows? Oh but man, <laughs> that'd be easy. That would be that it. would be super cool. Yeah, <laughs> if you could find an ad. And so that's is that yeah. the only known box of so that's the only known box of baggy figures you know pre return of the jedi pre return of the jedi right. right there's none yeah. none known from empire and this is the only one known from a new hope so pretty special right yeah and it's just cool right. to see with the printing on the side and like you know to know that they came in pack in 200s and so yeah. and the Kenner logo, it's just a pretty cool box. Yeah, and there's 200. And just the other. And there's only four left, so I guess they must have had some success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and so I just can't get over the, the mailing address still on there. I just, like, yeah, it's awesome. I hope we hear from you soon, CJ. You're, like, uh, you're quickly becoming one of, the, one of the, the most heard voices on the show, so. Oh, oh. Well, thanks for having me on again. I just thought this was a great story to tell, and... You know, happy to come back anytime. Awesome. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, Bye, Chris. CJ, Chris. All right. The way I always do.
On November 19th, that's a Saturday, I, I am having a meeting of the Empire State Star Wars Collectors Club. Awesome. You, you are going to get to see the Chuseum. Uh, I am also going to bring all the 48 Bs back from the B-52 room. <laughs> You're set up a temporary uh, display. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mr. Palpatorium's fully armed and operational Emperorium is going to be up. Uh, uh, that's an oldie but goodie. Haven't heard yeah, that in a while. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm gonna like get garbage plates. If you don't know what that is, that's a local delicacy. Uh, we're gonna have wingdings. We're gonna go to the National Toy Hall of Fame and take pictures with the etching of Bernie Loomis, who was just mentioned in the interview with CJ. Yeah. And are you gonna Are you gonna pop some jalops? <laughs> oh, pop jalops and slapback yak. Absolutely. <laughs> it's it's gonna be a big party. And what I've decided to do is usually those those parties are just one. You know, one day. But I'm not with my kids until Sunday at 3. Well, it's Animal so, House, basically. You got the... <laughs> so, this is an well, open we... invite. I'm serious. Like, if you want to, like, fly out here and just, like, hang out at my house for a weekend, go ahead. I don't care. You know, do it. Man, I might look to see if I can get a cheap flight. Where do you fly into? <laughs> Rochester. It's Rochester's got... It, that's an easy little... Yeah. R-O-C, man. baby. I'm just saying... I'm saying that to you, and I'm saying that to anyone who's listening. You want to come out? Want to want to have like a weird slumber party in my house? I don't see any reason not to. You know, if if you listen to the show, you know me well enough just by listening to the show. So so come on out if 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 you're interested. Uh, you know, send me an email or, or Facebook message me because uh, uh, there's a chance that this could end up being just one of the weirdest, craziest parties <laughs> <laughs> ever, or it could just be a regular uh, Empire meeting, which is always good itself. Yeah, so. Ooh, awesome. dude, that, that was on my notes, Steve. Hey, that. You're, you're ticking them off. That's good. I, I am ticking them off. Um, there's also a new book about Spanish collectibles, and I want to talk to the guy who wrote it. Yeah. I'm just saying that because someone actually uh, sent me a Facebook message saying, hey, you should really interview them. And first of all, thank you. Second of all, sorry I forgot to respond. And <laughs> yes, I should have. Yeah, um, it's it's Javier, right? That's, yes. That's, okay. Yeah. yeah. So we, we should we – should, because uh, I actually got a chance to look at the book uh, in the trash compactor. Oh, um, cool. Garbage shoot. Jonathan McElwain's collection, and uh, and it's great. It's awesome, 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 awesome. Everyone should buy it. And uh, but we should do a more official thing for that. Yeah, sure. Um, but speaking of the garbage compactor, um, the last stop that I took on the uh, before going to Bob Martinazzi's uh, uh, Luke Jedi room is the. Uh, Star Wars, what do they call it? The Star Toys Museum. Okay. And this was, uh, how do I describe this, Steve? It could have been in Portland. Let me put it that way. <laughs> um, it had some character. <laughs> yes, it definitely was drinking kombucha. 
I I don't even know how to say it. Like it was like the most cluttered Star Wars house I've ever seen. Like stuff was everywhere. Like in the bathroom and everywhere. And it was but like, it was how, but it was only only Star Wars stuff. It was only uh, well, I think there might have been a couple a couple of Star Trek things. But no, it's basically all Star Wars. There's also a hamster. I think a gerbil. I don't, there's no difference. Um, and uh, and the host was really nice, and he was dressed up uh, like like Nikto. Really, but, but without the head, just the clothing, which is which is really cool. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And, and it was this hilarious thing where, as you'll hear in the interview, he was collecting since '77. Okay, but he never stopped. So there's this. There was like, you know, ten thousand dollar displays. That were placed behind a loose Mace Windu unleashed figure. <laughs> yes, and it it just had this vibe that was unlike any other Star Wars collection I'd been in. It was so vibrant and just really great. So it was uh, it was one of the highlights, definitely one of the highlights of of going to Ice. And if for no other reason than just really eccentric and very friendly people. And uh, so so here's my my interview with. It's apparently like a LLC or something. Like it's an actual nonprofit oh. company, the Star Toys Museum. And uh, you want to hear it, Steve? Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm I'm, uh, I'm ready now. Okay, so I'm at another stop here, right by the uh, BWI airport. And if you ever fly in there, you may not know that just about five minutes away is a Star Toys museum filled with an amazingly, wonderfully eclectic group of items. Uh, there's so many things here to see. There's like a 21 display just kind of hiding in the back. Actually, wait a minute. What's up with this Chewbacca mug? So this is based on the Rumpf mug, but it's all painted different and it's glazed. What's the story behind this? I'm pretty sure that uh, was done by the mother of a friend of mine, and her name was Lois Brem, uh, and she did a lot of those buy the unfinished ceramics and paint them up yourself and, and have them fired sorts of things. And so a lot of my friend's collection eventually wound up in my hands, and so I'm pretty sure that's where that came from. Well, that's awesome. I collect Chewbacca and that is really awesome. That's the kind of thing I always try to find because you can always find the toys. Yes. You can't find weird custom items painted by people's friends' moms. Yeah. So, so that's pretty great. And also, we, there's a lot of debate about whether or not micro machines are vintage. And of course they're not, but prototypes are prototypes. So uh, what is this here? Because I know that Tommy Garvey saw this and almost yeah. passed out. <laughs> so, so what is it that uh, I'm going to be taking a picture and people will be able to look at it. What is this here? This is the transforming Darth Vader's lightsaber Death Star Trench scene. And on the shelf here I've got on the right the mass-produced production model. And on the left is a hand-made, hand-carved and assembled prototype uh, that was given away by Galoob Toys on one of their online uh, contests that they had via their website many, many years ago when they were one of the best toy companies out there and had a very early, very active online fan base. Uh, That's awesome. I didn't know about that. I can see it's different colors and the... Some the of the details are different. Um, the, the production model is in, I think, three sections, and the prototype is in four sections, but uh, they, they combine two of them for the production. 
and that's cool. Uh, and this is anyway, this is a great, really fun collection. I'm going to be taking a picture of you as well, and you are dressed up as Klaatu. As Nikto. Nikto. Oh, I'm sorry. I can never. Okay. I can never quite yeah. tell the difference. So you dressed yeah, up as yeah, Nikto. Just, just, so yeah. do you ever get a, a? So you're just wearing the clothes. Do you also ever get the mask? I I have the mask. I did the mask first, and uh, I can I can can get that if you want to take it's it. actually more fun just to have you dressed okay. like nick though because you can pull this off you know i mean the, the pants are a little bit woven i don't yeah. know if that that, yeah. that goes anymore but uh it's uh <laughs> it's it's pretty cool to see someone dressed up like like a vintage figure so thank you for letting us into your house and for showing off these great things i think we could do a, a whole show just in here And then something else also happened at ICE. Um, Ron was talking to me and he was saying how these guys were coming by his house to film a video. And uh, hmm. it, it seemed a little bit weird. <laughs> but then about a, a month later, he, uh, he sent a link to this video. Now, let me describe what it is. So it's, there's the song, I've Been Everywhere, uh, that's popularized by Johnny Cash. And, you know, it's like, I've been everywhere, man. You know, what I've, was it, Best Western? <laughs> Whatever yeah, Best Hotel Western changed. also took it. But, you know, I've been to St. Louis, Arkansas, North Dakota, Abilene. You know, he goes on and on like that. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> just, just like that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I mentioned none of the cities that are in there. Uh, yeah, I don't think Can we so. do a Sky version of this song? <laughs> I've been everywhere, man. I've been uh, like Brighton and. Fort Lauderdale, Bakersfield. <laughs> Man, Bakersfield took a hit last month. Um, but uh, so it's a version of that song, but instead of all the places that he's been, he lists all the Star Wars figures. Yeah. But yeah. all the vintage Star Wars figures. Right. And yeah. he calls himself, I'm a Star Wars man. I think he says Star Wars fan man, but then he yeah. also says a Star Wars man man. And he's got every man, man. Yes, he's got every man, man. So what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to play it for you, and then have the interview with the star of the video. So to give you an idea of the video, if you can't see it, it's basically this guy in a, a nice apartment. Nothing nerdy about the apartment. It's just a regular apartment, and he goes through and points to everything in his collection. And if you haven't seen it, you have to see it because it's yeah. it's professionally done. It's two minutes and 39 seconds of very well done lip syncing and performance and songwriting and parody and really yeah. nice pictures of vintage Star Wars toys. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I really think you should check it out. You can look it up, uh, Star Wars Figure Song on YouTube or just put Johnny Cash Star Wars. Yep. And uh, here's the song. I'm a Star Wars fan, man. I'm a Star Wars fan, man. Best man, I'll be on Skywalker, Trooper, Dark, Reef, 
Grizzly, Scrum, Bikers, Cup, Deck, that Lockery, Jetta, Knife, 5, E, 2, 1, B, D, B, Carbonite, Trooper, Fools, Nice, Little Zonto with a sense of scope, Test the Road, People, Book, Solo, in a trench coat. I'm a Star Wars fan, man. I'm a Star Wars fan, man. The Imperial Clan, man. Hop the Trooper, and man. Who can bend with different hair, man? I've got every man. I'm a Star Wars fan. The person we're going to talk to is the star of the of the movie, uh, not the guy who wrote it, but the guy who stars in it. And I think they're both yeah. friends. And this guy definitely looks the part of like a of a fifties ish kind of crooner. And uh, as you'll hear in the interview, uh, he is very much from Jersey and uh, is, <laughs> is is a very good interview. So let's hear yeah. our story with Mike Valentino. All right, Steve. So we are joined here by half of the crew that made the uh, Star Wars figure song. I, I have to say, uh, first of all, hello. Uh, is it Michael Valentino? Is that your name? Yes, Michael yes. Valentino. Okay, it's tough because the other person's also Michael, and so yes, it's, <laughs> it's a little bit confusing. Yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah, I mean, like, there's so many Michaels here in North Jersey. Um, but we we rarely don't even get called Michael. Uh, we get called either by our last names or. Like, I'll call Michael just Maselli, and then he'll call me Val. I mean, growing up, I was always called Val because of my last name, and all my friends were Michael, so when you said Michael, 15 heads would go turn around, you know? So my last name with a nickname just stuck, and, like, everybody calls me Val. You know? So so I was I was the actor that lip-synced the video, and Michael Maselli, the director, he came up with the lyrics, and he was thinking one day, you know, he's a Johnny Cash fan, so he said to himself, you know, this song is great. You know, I, I want to do a parody of something with Star Wars. And he's like, you know what? How about I do the, just the places in the Star Wars universe with Mos Eisley and then the Death Star. Uh-huh. And then he's like, you know what? I, I, he, the song can sell more, you know? So <laughs> right. he, start, he started, he started narrowing the search. So he went from locations in the universe to characters and then, from characters, he's like, well, maybe I could do it better. Maybe I could do more unique. Give me another niche. And he's like, oh, wait a second. Figures. The Star Wars action figures. So let me do a, a parody on that. And um, then the research started about the figures. And, and you know, we, we, we knew the main players of the figures, right? You know, the Luke, you know, the Han, and all that stuff. But then, you know, when he was doing the initial research, he found so much info it was like whoa we got to put some of this in there like big head han you know what is that I, you know so we had we did so much research yeah well that, that's one of the things that I, I like is that it's it's in some ways it's really really specific you know like you have the different variations but then it's also clear that you guys aren't really like lost in it you know it's just sort of the, the major it shows respect to the crazy collectors while it's clearly not made by crazy collectors, and I think that that, made, right, that gives it right. that more more of like yes. a of, of a broad appeal because you're not finding things right. funny that everybody doesn't find funny. Absolutely, right, right, so, <laughs> right. And that was a tricky, tricky balance because you wanted to make it, you wanted to make it so that when you saw the figures, it brought you back to your childhood, and also brought you back to some of the scenes without making it too staged. Because the the, the theme of the of the of the music video was that there's just some guy. You know, he's not uh, a, a geeky, nerdy type uh, fanboy, but he's a, he's a fanboy, but he's 
He's he's he's a normal guy. He just right. happens to have all these figures in his house, and uh, there's subtle stages of the figures. Like you saw Skip Garlando, and he's by right. my uh, washer and dryer, which kind of looks like the Starlight Pit. You know, right. so all these all these little things that we did subconsciously, hopefully, said, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, look at that, look at that." But it wasn't overdone, and it was done with enough humor, where like even if you didn't know Star Wars, like I, I showed this film, I mean, I showed the music video to a couple of friends that, you know, uh, are like 21, 22, and they they have no idea what Star Wars is. I can't believe it, but they laugh because it's just funny, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, that's, I because obviously we caught all of the little subtle things. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> right. He had uh, on him, what we, we really needed was the early bird box, you know? Yeah. He wanted right. to get that shot. And he had that. And then he's like, listen, you guys need anything else? And we're like, yeah, actually, we need a 12-back hand, and we need uh, a mismatched card. Do you? And he's like, oh, yeah, I got that. And I'm like, and, but he, he, he doesn't tell us. He's like, the 12-back hand I have is the first 12-back hand ever produced. And, I, and he's like, the, the rarity of this figure is, is only one in the world. And we're like, oh, my. Well, well, so we didn't know exactly Right, and, and that's that's the fun thing for people to, to watch. That's actually Han. That's actually Ron's. Uh, quality control sample Han. I thought it's, it might have been. If you yeah, look I at the video and you look in the price exactly box, right. it has the little sign-off. And I remember when that's I saw this video, yep. I'm like, that guy better be careful <laughs> with that with that Han. Well, right. Because... So, right. So, now, now, Ron, I mean, now, he was, now, he told us the value of the figure, you know, and and he still let us touch it. And like, we were like, listen, can we touch this? He's like, yeah. yeah. So, and so I had to turn it over and I was, I was so careful, you know, and he was, Ron was, Two feet off screen, just watching it. You know, but he was really, really cool. Like he let us, you know, he didn't have to do anything. He, but he, but he let us do that. You know, and then, yeah. and we kind of moved some of his furniture around to get some angles, and you know, and we weren't there long, a couple hours, and we got that shot. We got the uh, mismatch card, which uh, we we were having trouble with because um, no one had it. You know, right? Um, and um, he had that, and he had the. Um, the, the early bird box, but he had so much other stuff. It was like, you know, like we can't go into the the play sets. I mean, we went into Jabba and we went into the cantina, right. but we can't do them all because because when did it stop? Because he had all the little the metal mini play sets, the micro collections, the, the, yeah, the micro collections. So we're like, listen, we 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 got to cut off. We, we got to have a cut off. So yeah. we'll do the, do the figures, and 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 then once we do the figures, I think we got everything that we need for this video to please. Did, uh, some of the hardcore fans, hopefully all of them, and then the fans, you know, and yeah. then if people, if like so, someone's grandmother can just laugh at the kookiness of, of, of the guy pointing to the figures, you know, so that yeah. that broad fan base, I think we hit all three. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's fun too, and it's really serendipitous that you picked Ron because, I mean, he kind of is sort of like that guy who has all the Star Wars stuff, but. He, you don't see it when you come into the house immediately. It's not like it dominates yeah, his sort of right, existence. Right. It's kind of exactly. like, oh yeah, you know, this this stuff is over here. Now, I, I did want right. to I, I did want to to get into the because actually um, one of the themes of of today's sort of this month's show is kind of about griping about the internet, and uh, <laughs> I've just been looking at at the YouTube comments, and and first oh, of yeah. all, oh yeah. My favorite is by somebody named Joseph Mama, who who very clearly does not exist. And first of all, <laughs> I, I'm just going to read this in the voice that I think appropriate. 
Um, actually, I've been everywhere. It was first done by Hank Snow for the North American market. <laughs> okay, and then he doesn't even put punctuation. He goes comma. No. Also, there's some repro stuff in here, and Amanda Man is not the one from the original line. With that being said, right, I can right, appreciate right. the time and effort that went into this, and this is great. So at least he right. comes back around and appreciates <laughs> right. that it's been around. Right, listen, exactly. listen, Joe, Mama, you, you've. Uh, uh, it's, uh, there, there's many mentions of the not original Amanda Man, which, yeah. oh yeah, and, oh, and this yeah, is my time. theory. My theory is that you guys did that on purpose because it it shows like it gives the people who are paying attention in that uptight something to latch onto. <laughs> because <laughs> otherwise, it's too good. It's like you don't, you know, we we enjoy complaining as like, oh, that's not accurate. That's not accurate. It's like this amazingly accurate, <laughs> totally entertaining. Balance Very interesting. These things. Very it's, interesting. You say that now. Now I'm, I want to leave this open ended because I don't want to okay. give closure this early. <laughs> but I I love the way you're thinking, and I think it's a great topic for further discussion. But I will say that they latched on to see the Mountain Man, which was on screen for like 1.5 seconds maximum, right. Right. And, and it was out of focus for half that time. You know, it was, it was in the background. <laughs> but then there are other things that are on there. They're in that video that are not that, that that are legit errors. Okay, well, well, this is this is what I think we should do. I think because um, uh, unfortunately we we have to get to another interview, so we we need to wrap this up. But what I'd like to do yeah. is is have it so that our listeners, okay, I want them to watch the video. And the way you find it is you can just type in Johnny Cash Star Wars on YouTube, and it comes right, up exactly. Um, and I want you yeah, to look. I, I, I want you to look on, on Facebook a bunch of times. Yes, and he posts on Facebook. I want you to look for the most obscure error that you can find. Okay. And then is it is it Jersey Flicks? Is that what it is on Facebook? Uh, yeah, it's on Jersey Flicks Productions. That, that, that's the Facebook page. Okay, so, then, so you go um, there and, yeah. and you post the most obscure the most obscure error that you find. And then Steve and I are, are going to like go by and we'll make sure you get one of the bottle openers at our next uh at our next uh, uh, party that we're going to throw in Florida. Okay, so that's how you can be guaranteed to get one of these very exclusive bottle openers. We only make 30 of each design. So make sure that you get one. The most obscure error. (laughs) And thank you for making vintage Star Wars collecting cool. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Thank you, buddy. (laughs) Thank you for having me. You guys have been great. And uh, best of luck with everything. And I hope to talk to you again soon. All right, sounds good. All right, bye. Thanks. All right, take care, buddy. Bye-bye. That was fun, Steve. Very fun. I, I have to say, I loved all of the, uh, some of the, you know, differently pronounced names, or like the, just the funny takes on names. Like, I think, he, what is he called? Prune face? Like, pruny? Yeah. Pruny face man. <laughs> well, that's part of the thing, is that they're not actual super fans, but they're yeah, a, yeah. a video that appeals to super fans. Um, yeah. I loved all the juxtapositions. I like that he put low gray next to a, a medicine, like a pill bottle. Right. So yeah. that's pretty clearly somebody who really thinks about low gray and just sees, oh, Ewok Medicine Man. Let's put him next to medicine. Right. Um, if I could have done the song differently, I would have had one thing where he just says, I, I, I'm a low Ewok Medicine. I'm a low gray Ewok Medicine Man. 
That's the only thing. That's the only one <laughs> bit of dorkiness I would have gone. <laughs> but uh, it's funny, too, that the conversation started with what to call him. And the yeah, conversation right. with CJ started with what to call him. Mm-hmm. So, St- Steve, you know, this episode, this factory overstock, everything comes together. It's, it's got some some threads that are that are yeah it has tying it together. That's it has a sure. beautiful thread. Too many Chris's and too many Mike's, and <laughs> also this guy, like I said, like he's he's very Jersey, but also like the way that he looks and then the quality of his apartment. If you want to know what it would look like and sound like if Fluffy and Ron had a baby. It would be Val. <laughs> this guy is the perfect mixture of both of those guys. So, <laughs> just yeah, I, I know Fluffy is a very, uh, a very shadowy character on this show, but uh, you can re- you can reverse engineer that with the video. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and then the final thing, Steve, is something uh, kind of kind of personal. So. Um, my brother Amos uh, listens to the show sometimes. Uh, he's the only brother. Well, no, it's not true. But I have three brothers, so there's Lobart, um, and Lobart is my brother who I've started a Lobot focus for, and mm-hmm. he actually has a he has a lot of really good items in that. Um, he has like a top flight low grade collection. I mean a Lobot collection. And then my brother Ward, who's the doctor, he's the oldest. And I asked him what he likes, and he sort of likes R2-D2. So I okay. got him a 12-pack R2-D2, but he doesn't really care that much. So yeah. I just sort of did that, but the guy kind of dropped it there. Um, and then finally, my brother Amos has always related to Luke Jedi. Okay. And so I've just bought him little things here and there. Um, and as always, when you buy vintage figures for your family members, it's hard to convince them how awesome it is. Uh, but uh, so he wanted to talk about that with the Luke Jedi episode but I couldn't find the time to do it Um, uh, oh yeah and actually you know we don't do plugs on our show but if you're in Massachusetts and and you need a financial planner for life insurance and more you should talk to my brother (laughs) because that's he sells that stuff and I don't think he'll want to pitch that himself so, uh, <laughs> if you're in Massachusetts, because that's where he's licensed, I know. I know we have some some electricians who listen to our show, and uh, uh, you know, we have some Bostonians. So, contact my brother for fi- financial insurance. <laughs> was that good, Steve? No. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, we weren't able to get a hold of him because he works really hard. So, I thought we'd put this here now in our Overstock episode. And the thing that he really teased was that he he thinks that there are things that he can say. That will help our listeners know more about me. Ooh. I don't know what he's going to say, Steve. That's, yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's risky. Yes, it's risky. <laughs> so, uh, so why don't we call, I'm going to call Amos and I'll put in the interview right here. All right. Sky here. I'm not even using my fancy microphone. Um, I actually recorded, uh, edited half this episode about uh, two weeks ago and I, I was going pretty well on it um, and then sadly my, my mother passed away and um, so obviously that, that didn't give me much free time I don't really have the free time now I have piles and piles of grading but uh, I also have priorities 
But um, anyway, it's kind of fitting or nice in some way that my brother makes his appearance um, at a time when we can celebrate my mom's passing. Um, so I've actually seen him a lot <laughs> the last couple of weeks. And uh, we actually make reference to several Star Wars toys of our youth. And um, we have made, my brothers and I, a pretty sizable and a pretty cool vintage find. Um, mostly loose, but a couple carded things as well. And uh, I'm going to share those with you uh, soon. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun story. And uh, anyway, so on that down note, let's talk to my brother. This interview was recorded fairly obviously before my mom passed. Um, but uh, thanks for listening. And a lot of you sent me messages saying that you um, feel for me. So thanks. Okay, let's talk to my brother. All right, so I've uh, just called up my brother Amos. But, you know, we we, uh, we talked a lot about uh, Luke Jedi last month. And whenever I think of Luke Jedi, I immediately think of Amos um, because that's always been his favorite character. And, you know, when you, when you only collect one character like I do, the Chewbacca, you end up reaching phases where there's nothing left to buy. So you have to foist things that you wish you could buy for yourself and give them to other people, uh, much like the stuff I've given to you. How long, have I, how long has that been going on, Amos? Well, let's see. You um, probably the first thing you you gave me was our old, um, well, yours or mine. I can't remember uh, the Star Wars um, lunchbox. Yeah, yeah, that was well. That the lunchbox was the Return of the Jedi lunch lunchbox with with Luke, and he's all fabulous, and he's he's out shooting, and that was definitely my lunchbox in 1984. It must have been. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that, that's that, right. Yep. And then we we were talking before the show. Amos said, "I don't know everything that I have, so why don't you tell me what they are?" I'm like, "Well, actually, it'd be a lot more fun if if I just said it, so that way our listeners would hear." And that's kind of part of the fun is is you know just sort of getting to share this. So no, actually, Amos, it's a it's a '65 back because that was the the debut of Return of the Jedi, and that's. We're we're starting off our Return of the Jedi figures with Luke Jedi as the exemplary figure, as it should be. But uh, what 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 is it that that brings you to Luke Jedi, Amos? So, uh, growing up, there was uh, it was weird. They actually you would hold things and you'd play with them and you'd imagine them in different situations. So <laughs> it wasn't like my beloved you know video games I'm not going to play like I, I'm not a huge obsessively uh, addicted first person shooter RPG kind of guy but um, you had to actually hold them in your hands and have them interact and so I grew up what I was born 71 I grew up and by 77 I was a very whiny kindergarten kid and I was able to convince uh, all of my family members and their cousins and poor souls walking on the street to take me to uh, Star Wars itself, uh, what, ten times? And brings me to one of my favorite gifts uh, that Sky gave me, which was uh, down in uh, Back Bay, there was a like, place we'd always go, because I was living in Boston, like Boston, Boston at the time. And you could actually get these, like, beautiful magazines that described, like, the do-back and what was going on. And frankly, <laughs> what I liked the most about it was the smell, 
because, uh, I don't know, I guess, you know, this guy talking about Proust will, you know, can insert that section here. But um, I've already mentioned Proust once on the show. This is, this is two times in one show. I this is a new record. That is that's that is not good. You talk more about baseball and not about Bruce, but whatever. Uh, and yes, uh, uh, so so I got this thing, and Sky ended up. Uh, I always looked for it, but this guy gave it to me, and that also is in a fireproof box. But right, right. so what he's referring know, to me. Yeah, what he's referring to is the the program that was given yeah. away. And the, yeah. the, the story actually even gets deeper than that. We I talked about it on the show when I got it for you. I don't remember. It was probably three or four years ago. So this is for like the early generation of Star Wars collectors, like like my brothers, is one of the most precious items because you know it's before the toys came out and and if you went to the movie theater, it was the thing that you could buy at the movie theater, and it's got some great artwork on the front. It's kind of like maybe about the size of like a, a legal size piece of paper, and uh, and the one of the neatest things, and Amos is talking about the smell, was it was. My my family, uh, initially our house was in, in Boston, right behind Cheers. If you ever go to Cheers, we used to watch them take their trash out. Um, of course, it's actually called the, the Bullfinch Pub. Um, but on the third floor, there was this bathroom. And it was like this nasty, stinky bathroom. And it always had the program from 1977, purchased most likely by a six-year-old Amos Payne, uh, always sitting there. And somehow when we sold the place, we lost it. And so the... When I bought this one for Amos, I didn't know if it was going to be right. And the first thing he did was take off the, the plastic I, it came in and smelled it. And it smelled like that old paper that the one smelled like in the in the upstairs bathroom. Yep. So that was really cool. And then, yep. well, and then even beyond that, the movie theater that, that, that you would go to and Bart and Ward, my other brothers, would go to was the Charles Theater, um, which was called the Charles Theater 123. And... Steve yep. is one of two people that I know who has like the the original advertising that says "Come see Star Wars at the Charles One Two Three," and uh, that's one of the coolest items. And I'm trying to track one down. So Steve offered to give me his, but I I you know he he collects those things. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, it is it is a pretty funny. Uh, awesome piece and if if you're listening and you have an older brother or older sister or something who watched it back in the day that may be the easiest gift to get them that'll help them connect to their their nostalgia yeah absolutely and if i remember correctly um i don't think you even paid for it i'm pretty sure it was like hey we got these for you because you're coming in early and uh because i've seen the freaking movie what 10 times maybe four or five times over the first couple months now what was the year? What was in what within 1977? What month was Star Wars set out in Boston? What do you figure? What what month? It would have been May. It would have been May 77. Right. So, um, okay, that explains it. I think probably they were very tolerant of me um, asking so many times when it came around September of 1977 because maybe I was feeling a little overshadowed by you being <laughs> yeah. born. Um, so that but, might also explain that. Well, this is our 77th episode, so that that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is very good. But um, so yeah, so Luke, um, to get back on the Luke thing. So I, I grew up, um, I grew up with Luke and the whole, uh, you know, vintage universe as it were. And I remember in kindergarten wondering why it said like number four. I was kind of like, hey, wait a minute, what am I missing here? Um, 
even as a like a little kid, I was like something. Give me something before this. Anyway, and then um, so I was really into Luke, and part of the reason why is when you are an elementary age kid and maybe early early teenage and most mostly elementary, you watch Luke evolve from slapping the buttons in his farmer outfit. You know, what does that button do? And Han Solo, you know, very, you know, annoyed at this kind of farm boy doing his stuff. And then you move into, obviously, Luke jumping around with uh, with Yoda, which, you know, I I don't get me wrong. I had I had every Luke. I had Luke in the, you know, the samurai outfit deal farmer thing. I had Luke as a as an X-Wing. I had Luke on Hoth, which I liked a lot. Wait, wait did then, you say samurai? Course, that's yeah. awesome, Amos. Everyone calls it farm boy, but I like samurai. That's so much more uh, dignified. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, is that, that's where it comes from, right? But you, you know, the, the gi or whatever it is. But right, that's um, great. Definitely Amos. made it fun. You know, we're, yeah. we're going to push that Luke in samurai outfit for his instead of farm boy. <laughs> well, he, he does begin to prove himself, as we saw. But it, it wasn't until he put on the quasi-ecclesiastical gear of the Jedi, you know, knight in, in black um, with that, you know, the way his color was set up. So I, I always appealed to me that sort of mm, noble, I don't know about the word holy per se, but but uh, but look. And also it's all black, so you just can't go wrong with all black. No. And, you know, this, this is when he is able in, in Jedi to, you know, realize his part of his role, uh, face his own inadequacies, as we saw in the previous movie, and then ultimately, and I know you'll spend time on this, you know, facing his father. And of course, you know, uh, every single one of us uh, has our own chapter to add to, you know, Brothers Karamazov, but without the fratricide. Right. Um, you know, whereas as our father says, we're always playing tennis against our father, whether we know it or not. So we, we actually see Luke uh, play tennis, and of course, you know, um, uh, you know, Anakin backslash Darth Vader actually redeeming himself. Right. Is, they know, they the end up playing doubles, goals. you know. They they play against each other, and then they play and doubles against the Emperor. Yeah, and then they win. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's true. And that, so we, we see the evolution of, uh, you know, unconsciously incompetent to consciously incompetent to unconsciously competent, uh, that nice range. And of course, it's it's you know exemplified in in that Luke Jedi. So that was probably the most fun one to play with, and that was part of the reason why I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's that, I, I like that the the passage to consciously competent. Um, yeah, yeah, awesome. And and so you know throughout the years, I'm pretty lucky because. Well, I mean, I guess we're we're all lucky because the prices are so crazy now, um, and there, as was evidenced by last month's episode, a lot of super hardcore Luke Jedi collectors. So I don't try to get them everything, but I got them a '65 back, and then I got them a Lily Lady uh, card back, which is cool because Amos speaks mm -hmm. Spanish. Um, and then, sort of the the big thing I got them was a, a '65 back proof card, um, but it's all it's yeah. kind of messed up on the back. <clears throat> Yeah. So another kind of fun thing is that Amos is also an artist and so he's uh he's done a lot of Chewbacca artwork for me that I, that I've displayed. And the only artwork I ever made uh was actually for Amos. And do you still have yeah. that Amos? Yeah, the Epi Loom. Yeah. Yep. I have that it, and it and it's um <clears throat> being a, an artist and also a 
needs to be fairly deep into, into fencing, in particular the Epe style, which is whole body, um, toe to, you know, toe to head, uh, jabbing motions to indicate like the end of a rapier. But, um, so Sky painted this, uh, 18 by 24, uh, canvas and acrylic. And Luke is holding his sword in the uh, in more of a of a fencer's uh, Olympic fencer's style, and uh, it's pretty awesome because um, and I, obviously I don't know if there's a lot of crossover in your audience between uh, whether there's SCA guys or you know whether there's people you know obviously what is predominantly in in the Star Wars universe is more of a uh, two-handed broadsword long slashing movements which are effective but a little slower than just quick jabs. Except for, for a moment, I just want a quick highlight, uh, when we had Obi-Wan Kenobi in the newer movies, when he was fighting the guy with the four freaking arms, uh-huh. he succeeded by using a quick thrust in a fencer-like manner. So when the chips are down, the Jedi will use the more French, uh, European style of the swift attack. So just, just to put that out there. Hey, we love it. So, so, sword cast. Uh, I, there, <clears throat> there are people out there who, who would appreciate that. Yeah. And that was the, the cool. first sort of, uh, painting I'd, I'd ever done. And it, it was funny because if you've ever tried to paint Luke Jedi on the Death Star, you discover, Oh no, everything's black. Everything's black. The background's black. He's black. Vader's black. Emperor's black. <laughs> it is so hard to create any kind of distinctive uh, color scheme there. Uh, but yeah, that was that was really fun. That was, and you know we've mentioned it before on the episode on the show a few times. But the reason that I collected, I collect Chewbacca is actually because of Amos. That when I when in 1995 when Power of the Force two came out. I realized that Star Wars toys were just going to keep coming, so I better only collect one character. And when I was a kid, I only liked the bad guys. I only liked Boba Fett and Stormtroopers <laughs> and Scout Troopers. That was it. Those are my favorite characters. But yeah. by, by the time I was a senior in, in high school, I had some sense of morality, which was actually pretty influenced by Amos, who's super into uh, being being good. Um, which is a funny thing to say, but it's true. <laughs> um, and, and so I'm like, well, I'd, I'd want to be a good guy, but then, you know, most of the good guys look lame. And then on top of that, I basically spent most of my high school years, whenever possible, driving around, sitting shotgun with Amos while he would drive around his Jeep, listening to either Welcome to the Terror Dome by Public Enemy or just about any Smiths album. That, that was all we listened to. And so I realized, like, well, I am basically his co-pilot, so I'll just go ahead and, and get Chewbacca. So it's it's actually funny to think of it now with Episode Eight, because Episode Eight is going to start Amos, and we haven't talked about this yet. But it's going to be oh. Ray and Luke and Chewbacca. So there's actually going to be Chewbacca with Luke without Han. So we, huh. we'll, we'll sort of right. have a, right. an actual, uh, you know, pairing of of our two sort of focus characters. Now, you also mentioned that uh, there were other things you wanted to talk about. Have we already addressed those things, or did you or did you have other things to talk about besides um, that? Well, I guess, I mean, I, I grew up vintage. That was my like my jam. And uh, one of the neat things, which is, uh, is it's lost. I mean, I, I enjoyed, of course, Luke is my primary. I did do a little Han Solo here and there, because when you first start out, you're like, you kind of have to root for for the guy that has his acting gear a little bit more. And then um, another fun thing was, you know, just to annoy people even further, 
is um, I'd often have um, Snake Eyes help out Luke because <laughs> they're both in black. And we would go like this, though. Luke, Snake Eyes could go into an X-Wing, but, like, Luke would not go into the F-15 or whatever, right? So my G.I. Joe guys would help out the Star Wars things. But basically, Snake Eyes was the jam because he was sort of like a fully armored, like, Luke in, you know, action mode. So... Anyway, that's kind of a nice, uh, kind of a nice combo, and of course, you know. Um, where where, was, where were these? Of... Where were these? G- were these guys up in your room? I never got to play a GI Joe. <laughs> that's true. You weren't because they're too violent. A part of the military complex. Yes, a part but of I Reagan's eighties. That's it. Uh, yeah, no, I, I had uh, Snake Eyes, his weird dude that was all in white. Um, Storm Shadow. I know his name. Guys, <laughs> yep. And the, the dog, the guy with the dog, with the junkyard dog, he was cool, too. I mean, I liked them all, and they were also the same size right. as my Star Wars figures, so that was cool. Um, oh, and the other thing that I wanted to mention was you had said when you were younger, <clears throat> this size brought in, uh, one of the memories I had of great injustice, and by the way, I'm, I'm not a good guy, I just I try and be good, but I always like playing for the good guys, and uh, so you and Bart would just come in with your, you know, TIE fighters or whatever, and I'd be like, cruising around in my X-Wing or whatever. And uh, Bart would just fire, and he's like, I'm shooting through the shields. And I'm like, well, how come I can't do that? He says, well, we're the Empire. We have better guns and better everything. And uh, you're just the rebels. And I was like, that isn't fair. I was really, really upset. And, I, you know, you carry a grudge for 20, 30 years. I guess it's, I'm still you know, getting over it. All <laughs> but, uh, but the dichotomy of uh, all the Empire stuff looking way cooler than, than the Rebel stuff is just like, come on, man, really? And then one last thing about as far as the family goes, um, so I, I got, you know, Star Wars figures in 1978 or 77, whenever they first came out, and I got the brand new Millennium Falcon and all that stuff, and we had these beautiful bright white uh, toys, and I was thankful because my older brother Ward, who would have been six years older than I was, so probably junior high, something along those lines, he actually whipped out the Krylon spray paint and he started spray painting over those in light, spattery dots. Um, most of the Millennium Falcons you probably look at today have that on it, uh, the full battle scar and stuff, which frankly, right, battle wear, Star yeah. Wars apart from battleware but it's just a you know natural patina they put onto the later you know millennium falcons for example and that's part of the reason why i like star wars because they showed the gritty use as compared to 2001 uh space 1999 which we also had figures and i'm pretty sure luke probably jumped in that ugly weird turtle extended robot thing deal oh i hate that thing i remember Uh, that thing that would always hang around. Yeah, that, that, yeah. Like in the playroom, that would always be the thing that I wouldn't even touch. Like I, I didn't know what that was, but I knew yeah. it was not Star Wars. That's awesome. So, no, so Ward would actually do customization. I mean, that's really what that is. That's early customization, and he would he would yeah, make them I mean, look battle scarred, yeah. and that's awesome. I I didn't even really fully realize that. Yeah, he would he'd hold down the spray can just very very little, you know, um, to show like black marks and stuff. So I mean. It's it kind of it's too bad we can't find all that stuff, but that's what he did to make stuff look more realistic uh, for me to play with. I do not really remember Ward playing with Star Wars Bart a little bit. You of course like Ted Scott. <laughs> you love those. Guys. 
I love, love those scout troopers. The yeah. Scout troopers, yeah. yeah, yeah. Those, I mean, they yeah. were the, they were the coolest for for my age. It's actually funny. While you were talking, um, I saw that my uh, my uh, my phone is on silent, but I just saw my parents called. So that that's pretty funny. Um, it's all kind of a, a big family show. I went and had cheeseburgers with them yesterday, Amos. It was quite nice. Um, oh, good. If, if you ever have a oh, chance good. to eat a cheeseburger made by one of my parents, you should take that chance. The key is they cook them in butter, and that is what makes all the difference. But um, and another thing too to make this whole family thing is my is our dad was really smart, and he didn't really understand Star Wars or why we loved it because he doesn't really like fiction. Um, but he sort of understood that it was good. And the main thing he would do is he bought tons of stormtroopers. Like as far as I can tell, he bought out every stormtrooper he could. He could. So not only did we have a lot of stormtroopers, but he would also take a couple stormtroopers and put them just in, you know, carted in a. In we had these old, old family, like two hundred year old family high boy uh, uh, furniture things. You know, like drawers and stuff, like rich mahogany. And he would put like a, a vintage stormtrooper actually in the top, and that's one of my biggest regrets. Is I I displayed the the Star Wars. It must have been a I don't know twenty one back or something, or not twenty one back, but a, a twenty back, or maybe even a twelve back. Whatever it was, it was an early Star Wars uh, stormtrooper, and I displayed it on my wall. And one of my deadbeat friends stole it, but uh, that was that was a really awesome thing. Just that we always had all these stormtroopers. And of course, I must have described this in the first year, but my favorite memory playing with the Star Wars toys definitely occurred in your room on the third floor in our house in Belmont, Massachusetts. And mm-hmm. we were in your room and, and we must have been playing Star Wars. And we had one stormtrooper that had these really, really loose limbs. And and Amos, you grabbed it like by the legs and, and squeezed it so the legs were, were steady. And then you spun its arms around all crazy and gave it a you know a silly voice and made fun of it. And I swear, <laughs> like that was the funniest thing I'd ever seen at that point. Just like this stormtrooper with its arms just flailing wildly. So it's well, yeah, because you could uh, you could whip it around really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was great. I mean, we don't we don't go that much into nostalgia on this show, um, but it is fun. You know, I think because we don't do it a ton, it, it's really fun, especially when it's uh, uh, when it's so tied into to what we collect and and how we collect. And and also, I think it's going to be exciting too because I'm sure there's a lot of people who've been sitting here listening for the past 15 minutes saying, "You, you didn't get that program for free." Did you? Wait, did they give out the program uh, at the – and so that's our question of the month. Uh, did they give out the program yeah. or did you have to pay for it? Uh, Kivecast at gmail.com mm-hmm. or just answer us on the stupid Facebook page. I don't even check the email anymore. Um, yeah, because that, that, that's one of the big questions. The question is, was it to the right of the popcorn on the upper right-hand corner next to all the popcorn? You just grab them when you came in. And did you feel guilty taking two or just take it each time? I personally am the school, but I'm pretty sure I remember that right. But who knows? Maybe some some theaters were like, hmm, we're running out of them. People are going nuts for this. Let's sell it. But I, mean, I was there pretty dang early for the experience. And, you know, watching the stormtroopers get blown up and running around the, the house saying, I want to see Star Wars. I want to see Star Wars. <laughs> Poor folks. Um, but I did see Star Wars, you know, so <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a proud of you, Sky. Your, your collection is, is a, an amazing one. And, 
and I, I'm glad that it's it's uh, pulled together for you. And the other aspect of it, I'm I'm impressed uh, investment-wise that you've uh, you know been able to see different trends, and I'm glad people are listening to what you're saying because uh, you're very very intelligent and you're putting a lot of energy into it, and uh, your capacity is great. So if you say everybody start buying the whatever the you know, bubble backs that are... 48 blue. Bs, Amos. I can't right. get anyone to buy on 48 Bs. I've been working for years, but we'll we'll keep trying on those. Uh, yeah, well, it'll never work. But, uh, yeah, invest now. All right, well, hey, look. Uh, yep, so uh, any... Uh, if if there's... Oh, oh, yeah, one other thing. So uh, you probably told your, your, your people um, at some point you are going to offer some sort of contest, and what I will do for your loyal listeners is... Uh, Whatever, whoever you decide is the winner, I will do like a drawing or a painting of whoever they, they whatever character they collect, and as long as they give me a decent enough photograph, and I'll draw it out for them or paint it or something in a way that uh, says, "Hey, look, you know, Sky appreciates what you do," and you know, yes, you know, as, I'm happy as, as as a matter of fact, we're I'm going to announce that now, Amos. So uh, the main the main way that podcasts get recognized on iTunes is by people commenting on them. Um, you know, like uh, rating them and writing a comment on iTunes. And the problem is podcast listeners are really dedicated to listening, but they're not dedicated to doing that. So what we do is we, we have little contests every once in a while where we say, if you leave a comment, we will randomly pick out, uh, you know, from this date forward. So if you leave a comment, uh, uh, if you leave a rating and a comment, on the uh, Star Wars Collector's Archive podcast uh, page on iTunes in between October 10th and, say, uh, December 1st, okay? Uh, we'll pick a random one of those, and my brother will do a drawing, and I'll show you what his drawings look like. They're awesome. He did a cool drawing of Wicket for, uh, no, Chirpa for my daughter, and an amazing do-back. So... Yes, so thank you, Amos, and we'll we'll you know what? no forget that I'm actually going to say we'll we'll do it by the first of the year, and we're going to try to really get people excited about it. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna promote it every right. month because I, I want to get people really into it and yeah. really commenting. For the fourth for the fourth quarter, that's how you should look at it from a business point of view. <laughs> yes. but we've started the fourth quarter, and bang, and uh, like you say, however, however you want to choose it, whether it's cool. So yeah, I'm down to help. And, and, and where, where do you hear my clumsy plug for your uh, for your financial services? <laughs> I, oh, I I opened up with Steve, and I, I you, you'll hear it. it'll be good. I think you're gonna get some business uh, swayed your way. Well, thank you, and uh, all you guys uh, like to say, may the force be with you. Okay, all right. All right, Steve, so there's the interview with my brother, which you'll have to hear sometime. Hopefully soon. <laughs> and and now that, that brings us to the end of the episode, Steve. This Yeah. There hasn't been any market watches or vocabs or anything, but that'll all be next month. We're going to talk to uh, Fantastic Pete about Revenge yep. of the Jedi, and we're yep. going to talk to one of the world's biggest Akbar focus collectors, Steve. Do you know who that is? Uh, I don't know about biggest <laughs> yes. we're going to talk to you steve because steve uh, has a hell of an akbar uh focus um, he is also, one of my favorites you know i was thinking too it might be interesting if we could get somebody on 
who knew something about like the first time that collectors were aware of Admiral Akbar. Hmm. So what would be the first time collectors were aware of Admiral Akbar? Like just as a figure, as a character? Yeah, as or... like a character and a figure. What would be the first time that, that... – I mean I would think it would have to deal with the, the, the 48B, right? Oh, yeah! <laughs> we could talk to that guy. We could talk to Scott Kane, the king of the 48Bs. <laughs> you think you're an Akbar-focused collector, Steve, but I'm OG uh, No, you Akbar. are – oh, yeah. Well – this is this is the real Akbar. You can't collect Akbar unless you collect forty eight Bs and forty eight Cs. So yeah, that that'll be a really fun episode. I I'm really looking forward to it because I think it's going to be a great regular episode. Yeah, yeah. It's been um, been a little while. Yes, and uh, also Steve. Well, first of all, I'm going, to, I'm going to check on the score of the baseball game right now. Uh, I'm on my phone, and I'm checking the score of the baseball game. Yeah, see, I wasn't sure if you were going to record it or something, so I didn't want to say no, anything. No, 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 no. What am I going to do, you know? I mean, I listen to so much sports radio. Oh, my God. It's the top of the ninth with one out, and we're down by one. This, see, this yep. would be the time to watch, but I'm not going to do you better, that, Steve. You're not going to watch? Well, I don't, I don't have cable. Um, uh. So what am I going to do, like go out to Buffalo Wild Wings? You got time, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it was also the end of the fantasy baseball season, Steve. Oh, God. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> With one week left to go, I was in second place. Really? Yep. Wow. And there were five other teams battling it out for second place. By the end of the season... I was in sixth place. Oh, no. It went so south for me that last month. And it's all... You pulled a Steve. I you pulled were, a Steve. You pulled a Steve in the last, last week. And it was oh, because no. of Cunty Mieta. He, like, did the whole thing. <laughs> I started him, and... Oh, he pitched... That was a game he got shelled, wasn't it? Yes, the last game for oh. Cunty Mieta. 2.2 innings. A 4.13 whip and a 16.88 ERA. <laughs> he killed. It was my bad season. for you and for me. It was oh, bad God. for both of us. Oh. Um, so you know, c- congratulations to Paul who won and Trevor the tweeter duder who pulled into second. Who just wow. Brock was in second and he ended up losing on the last day as well. Um, and, Man. And so yeah, Trevor the tweeter duder shows up and wins his first year. So, wow. Yep. Hey. <laughs> well, I guess I already know where I must have been. I don't think that changed, so I'm going to have to. Yeah. Have to bring that up. Yeah, but. yeah. You um, you had thirty-seven points. <laughs> That's got to be a new low. That, I that is pretty low. Yeah, you were forty-three points behind the the winner. <laughs> um. You made four uh, moves this season, so that's a good. That's that's that's, that's got to be like three times or no. A good number more than I ever have. Yep. Usually it's yeah, it's it's never pretty. No. But. <laughs> All right, Steve. So next hey, month we'll we'll be back with seventy eight and with Akbar, and uh, we'll kind of get back on things. But hopefully this was a nice kind of quicker episode. We're trying to keep them a little bit leaner, a little bit meaner, and uh, who knows? Maybe it'll be another four hour <laughs> fest. <laughs> uh, but the the one thing I do know, Steve. You want to know what the one thing is that I know? 
What's the one thing you know? Wampa Wampa! <laughs> Adios. These action figures are not yet available, but this Star Wars early bird certificate package is in stores with its colorful Star Wars picture display set and certificate.